This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Conduits of trouble, Zolgad and Scoggins. Uh, Chipper, let's start with uh, the events at Target Field of recent days. Twins lose two of three, but then Cleveland goes um, to City Field and plays the Mets, and they blow the game on what would have been Wednesday. They also lose pretty convincingly on Tuesday, so three games back. Where do you stand right now with what we are seeing from this ball club? Uh, well, it's interesting on the Indians. They're, they they all of a sudden have issues with Brad Hand, right? He's he's blown four straight saves. Yeah. Is that right? I think three or four. I think they're going to have to have Make another a idea there. closer very yeah. soon. Yeah, and so it, it's interesting that as much as we talk about the Twins bullpen, that now all of a sudden they have a crisis with their closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think to me probably uh, the first game of this series. Uh, the White Sox series was disappointing. Where you, you come off a what five and one road trip, you're coming home, you're playing the White Sox, who they might not be bad in a couple years. Oh, I think they're going to be good. Yeah, and, and in fact, it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be great if you can get Minnesota, Cleveland, and Chicago being competitive. That'd be awesome. That's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Because I'm with you. I, I think people may assume that they're like the Royals or the Tigers, but they're not. Um, but Game one on Monday, I was there, and well, they had something like fifteen hits and lost. Yeah, mean, fourteen or fourteen or fifteen hits, hits yep. and, and lost, and um, that was a bad loss as far as I was concerned. I, I, yeah, the Giolito loss is not that bad. Yeah, a lot lost because he's a really good pitcher. Yeah, he's just good. Yeah, I mean, a really I'm good okay pitcher shuts that. you down. And I mean, when a guy throws a three hit shutout, he was just better than you that day. And so, and he's a good pitcher. The game one was the one that was kind of frustrating where you just didn't play well. And so, but you're still, what, three up? And um, I think I would be really concerned internally that at this point, I don't, Barrios is, you don't really know what you're going to get from him at, when you run him out there. And when you're, you're ace and you're supposed to, the one guy that you're not concerned with now all of a sudden has had, what, three or four bad starts in a row yeah at least or, or at least three going dating to the, the nine, miami nine runs well you know he's great in miami miami but then, then after that then after that so i think it's either three or four yes um you know that that to me that's the most concerning thing is that you still like oda rizzi yesterday for, it's just this is okay so this is my my frustration and concern about this team is I've lost, for now, all faith in the starting staff Mm -hmm. because, you know, previously I I said, who who do you trust after Brios? Yeah. And it was, you trust Brios, and then after that I had some concerns. But right now in a playoff series, they're sunk. Yeah. Well, unless Brios can, and I think his velocity's been down, and that's, you know, he's he's had, it's kind of been the track record, right, where he fades down the stretch, and I don't know if it's, yeah, what it is, but um, he hasn't been good, and so now all of a sudden you look at it and like, who's your best guy? I mean, who do you trust out this? You don't Pineda. Pineda, <laughs> Pineda right now is your best guy, and no, you don't trust him. Yeah, that's my problem here. This is and and 
I get that starting pitching at the deadline was incredibly tough to acquire, but this was what we all saw coming. Mm-hmm. Now, now the the Brios fall offs worse, but we all knew this. None of this can come as a just complete shock because you could have in July looked at Brios's um, lack of success in the month of August and been like, oh boy, if this repeats itself, it's going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. So my feeling about this team has has shifted from I still think that they can win the division and be a playoff team, but man, it's going to be tough to pick them and and. You know, people come back at you and say, well, but the Yankees can't pitch either. And I say, yeah, but look, if they're healthy, you're just going to lose 17-15. They have a better hitting lineup. But, but it, to me, it goes back to the the Twins. They're going to have to score eight or nine runs in a, in a playoffs. But that's not fair to me. You can't ask them to do that against good te- Texas. Texas gifted you probably five runs a game. Yeah. The, the well, Rangers, you you walked in to Globe Life Park, and they said, "Here's five runs." Yeah, because we saw they faced a really good pitcher yesterday and got three hits. Yeah, and it's not to say you can't, you know, that if they face them today, they wouldn't get five runs. But, um, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know what Barrios's issues are if he's if he's if he needs to maybe skip a start. You know, to to re- or or what it is. It's not like he has a heavy workload. I'd I mean, be I'd be tempted this weekend against the Tigers to skip a start. Yeah, but I mean, they're in a pennant race. I know, I know, <laughs> but know? It, but it's the Tigers. It's a Triple yeah. A team, and yeah. you and and again, you can score. I firmly believe against Detroit pitching, you could probably score twelve runs a game. Yeah, if your lineups, but yeah. against a playoff team. But your your point's good because uh so the twins faced Giolito what was it July 30th in Chicago and handled him and uh Cruz hit three home runs off him in that game yeah. Kepler hit one i believe he gave up something like seven hits seven earned runs in five in that game so i just don't i don't think it's fair to continually say to this offense go do that mm-hmm. they can do it well, a lot they've done it a lot but you can't do this every time and be like no. well you're just going to have to score runs well it puts pressure on him for sure um but you're right. If you got in a seven game series, you go in. Let's say it's against Houston, or if it was if you're facing Cleveland's or or the Yankees, their pitching staffs, you know, obviously, right, not great. But um, so they're going in at a disadvantage there when you when you're matching up starters, and you just have to think that okay, lineup <laughs> hit a lot of home runs, or you know, yeah, because I, I, I they don't have a plan B. Their plan, they have a plan A, score a lot of runs, hit a lot of home runs. Their plan B, where you would think, okay, we have a shutdown pitcher. Brios has the stuff to do it, but like I said, it's just these last starts are like, you know, where, where is he at physically? What, what's going on with him? The Atlanta law, the the Atlanta start I excused because it was just a bad start. And then the Cleveland start, he wasn't at tar- a target field the weekend start. He wasn't very good to start with, but I think he adjusted. Uh, so that impressed me a little bit, but then the last start in Texas, what they give him a six, six, six nothing, nothing six lead, nothing lead, yeah, in the first, and he was lost. Well, and that's too many of their pitchers are giving up four runs and or five runs in six innings, and we're thinking, okay, that's not bad. Well, that's not going to fly. Well, actually, you know what's a what's a perfect example of that? Uh, the the Wednesday start Odorizzi against the White Sox, yeah. You know, you looked at that statistical line, and it looked sort of respectable. That was a terrible start. Yeah. He labored through the first. He labored through the third. If you watched that start in person, you did not come away saying, that's what they need. Other than Barrios against Miami, you just haven't seen where a starter goes out there and gives up one run and just 
is not putting two guys on the on the base every inning and getting out of it with a double play or whatever. The term is shove, right? Yeah. You don't. <laughs> how, how many starts have you seen a Twins pitcher shove? Yeah. Giolito shoved. Like, yeah. You were, but and I respect that. I love to sure. watch it, and I respect that. And I say you just shut down a really good mm-hmm. offense. Good for you. Hell of a job. But then you occasionally want the Twins pitcher to come back and be like, "Oh no, I can I can do some of this." Yeah, I want to do it. Just you, you guys aren't scoring today, and too many times it's just like scuffling along. It's not where it's just like the sky's falling, but it's like I said, it's four runs and six innings, and it's, it's labored good. and it's torturous. And it's poor Kyle Gibson. Yeah, it's you know, it's I'll how, throw over to first again to buy myself some time. Well, he pitched the the Monday game right where. Yes. And it was the same thing yes. where you're giving up five or six runs. Why? Well, I, I, when he walked off the field in that game, there were people like behind the dugout giving him standing ovation. I'm like, the let's thing raise drove, the standards a little. The thing that drove me crazy, and, and I argued with some of my colleagues about this, about the Gibson start, was the Abreu pitch. Yeah. How you've got John Jay on deck, batting, by the way, cleanup. God said to you, I want you to win. I'm going to bet on the Twins tonight. Yeah. And I'm going to put John Jay, I'm going to have Retoria put John Jay in the cleanup spot. You don't, there's no excuse, there's no excuse of, I just missed on that pitch. You've got to unintentionally, intentionally walk him. Yeah. And that's, excuse me, and that's what it was, is because after that inning, I think he sat down 11 in a row, and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, that that's good. Yep. But you're still down four, whatever he gave right. him four runs, and so it's like, and it, maybe that one is a case where it really was a bad pitch that doomed him more than anything. But it was like, and I have no problem with at a, the end of the day, you still have four runs, and well, and I have no problem with a bad pitch to bray you if the next guy can threaten you. Yes, but not. You literally would have been in retrospect because they, I, I believe there were, there were runners on second and third. Yes, you would have been in Rocco's case better off to say we will walk him to the umpire and not allow him to see a pitch. And yeah. I, I don't even like that because a big league pitcher should be able to pitch around a guy. But, Especially a veteran. And if you've got a normal cleanup guy coming up, okay, you threw a bad pitch because you really needed to get the out. Yeah. But, but you have no excuses here. And that's what that's the type of thing, though, again, that undermines you in a playoff game. Yes. But that will cost you, okay, there's game two. Now it's gone. Yeah. Are we going to make excuses for it? Oh, that was too bad. Well, that, that's, that's the thing. It's like... One bad pitch will doom you in a playoffs, and you and you can't say, "Well, don't make a bad pitch." But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you, maybe I don't remember what his line was. It wasn't. I don't think it was a quality start, but it was. Gibby, hold yeah, on, I got. I think I, I think he gave up five, right? If I remember that correctly, oh, five and six innings. Yeah, six, uh, six and two thirds, six hits, five runs, all earned, a walk, and four strikeouts. Yeah, so it's like. It, it, you know, it wasn't an outright disaster, obviously, but it wasn't uh, one of those where I'm just going to go out and shut this team down. I'm going to give almost. It like, wasn't what you need. No. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. Give give me what I need. You are supposedly a very good baseball team. I've been spending all summer singing your praises. Mm-hmm. Give me what you need. Uh, Odorizzi on Wednesday. Five innings, eight hits, four runs, three earned, one walk, six strikeouts. That sounds okay. Well, there's been, but Judd, it feels like that's happening Every night, right? But here, that's that's kind of their standard line for the starters. And so here's the key thing, though: five innings pitched, right? A hundred four pitches. Oh. <laughs> Giolito, I believe, ended at what one seventeen? Yeah, 
I uh, it was eleven more, so one fifteen. One fifteen. Yeah, but, he was at one. But the yeah. point. But the point is, the yeah. underlying number of the Odorizzi start to me is five innings, a hundred four pitches. Yes, which you were you. laboring. Yes, and so. Yeah, I mean, obviously the confidence meter going into the playoffs if they win the division will be tempered by that staff unless they somehow like if Brios can find himself here, get a second win, whatever it is, yep, and become dominant in his last however many starts, I think you'll feel a little bit better. But after him, if you were to what do you, playoffs start today, who starts game two? Right now. I, I'm I'm guessing it'll be Odorizzi, but it I will, think it'd have to be Pineda, right? I would, I would start Pineda in game two right now, but I wouldn't trust it one bit. No. I wouldn't trust it at all. But you know he'll, they'll put Odorizzi. It'll be Odorizzi, yes. And then Gibson probably had a Pineda. I don't know. It'll I don't a, think you can do that right now, can you? I, Odorizzi, would, I wouldn't, but... The I, I, Odorizzi starting what, over Pineda would be almost a political decision. I don't think you can go as political as Gibson over Pineda right now, and then Perez obviously to the has bullpen. to go to the bullpen. Yeah, but it Barrios, <laughs> but you need to feel like you have a chance in game one. Yes, and Barrios would give you that. Previous Barrios, right now you would not feel that no. that way. And I don't care who you're playing. You know, Houston would go in to a series with, with a huge advantage over the Twins. I get that, but the Yankees, let's say that one. Yeah, and it's Barrios against the Yankees, and you say to yourself at Yankee Stadium, this is going to be really tough. They could score lots of runs, but so can the Twins against them. So we're going to send our best against them in Barrios. And if the line is four and two-thirds, eight, six, five, two, eight. Not good enough. No, no. Because that line is going to score a ton off, you know. And And the other thing, too, is I perceive this team by probably June, to be a very good baseball team. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought, if they make the right moves, this is a World Series contender. I would never say that they would win it for sure, because yeah. that's that's impossible. But a contender to make a deep playoff run. Yes. Um, and in some ways, I'm not going to dial that. I, I, I've dialed that back now, but I'm not going to give up on the feeling of what I saw. No. Because, because you know what? I know that pitching was hard to get, but it was gettable. It was gettable, and and if this team goes out in the first round or something, I'm sorry. I'm going to feel like they they lost a chance because if you just think, and Chip, we've seen this in football a thousand times. If you just think, well, 2020 is our year, and we're going to we're going to run it back, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't well, work that way because you can't count on them setting a record for home runs again next year. No. Now you like the pieces they have coming back and the young players, but how many guys are having career years in terms of power? Basically, everybody in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, you just can't count. I, you I'm with, cannot you count on that again. You can't say no. it's going to going to and, happen again. And you clearly can't count on. Think about the lead they and the lead that they built, which is gone now. But Martin Perez, what he was the first six weeks, how many phenomenal start. Odorizzi was lights out. Eight start stretch, right? Yeah, Where yeah. He basically made the All Star game off those eight starts. Sure, unbelievable. So now he's back to being what we thought he was. Yep. So you can't count on him having a stretch like that again. Yep. Kyle Gibson. You know, yeah, I mean, no. so that'll be interesting in offseason. Not to jump too far ahead, but. Who walks? Well, or who's who do they bring back? I mean, who? what's your rotation? I'm not paying sure? Odorizzi. I'm not paying Gibson either. What are you going to pay Barrios? He's going to want big money, right? He's going to want big money. And the other the other problem, too, is, you know, they approached Buxton's camp and lowballed them last winter. But 
Chipper, I still can't. I can't pay him right now. No, not, no, I wouldn't. No, and I'm I mean, not paying Sano. They have the leverage on, on Bucks. I need to see Sano. Is Bucks going to come back before the playoffs and play any, or what are we doing? Uh, he's going to be. Uh, in, in fact, the Star Tribune. Uh, I think Phil Miller had a note in the notebook on Thursday, which, which is when we're recording this podcast, that he is going to take batting practice today on Thursday oh, at Target Field, and he's been doing baseball activities, but. He's got to have a rehab. I'm going to tell you, right? I saw him on s- Sunday right in fr- front of me at the press gate walking into the the uh, Vikings-Seattle preseason game, and he looks fine. But, you know, if you're going to the and, – and I don't care he, he yeah. went. That's yeah. not a criticism. But if you are, you know, going to Vikings games on Sunday, i got to ask how, how much baseball work could you do four days ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're clearly not with the team at that point, which, again, you're doing your stuff here. That's fine. Yeah. But that also – speaks to the fact that this isn't close. So I never trust the twins in Rocco because you're always you always yeah. get it's not a big deal or he's he's working yeah. and then it takes extra extra time. So I think we'll see him before the playoffs but not until sometime in September. Well that's what somebody asked about Rock asked Rocco that I was there on was it Monday or Tuesday I can't remember which day but um he even said then he sort of meant he's like we knew all along this was not going to be a week or two weeks that this was going to take some time. And so um when does the Meyer League season end? Um, so would you have to send them to Fort Myers to do so like simulate? They, yes. In fact, Rocco's comments to the media on Wednesday were that basically said that he's going to have to go on some type of, of rehab assignment. Well, I would this think, yeah. Because well, you want him to have at-bats. I looked it up. Uh, so, uh, between the concussion-like symptoms that he suffered in Cleveland and this shoulder injury chip, he's played in something like nine games since July 12th. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, he can't just no, take can't the just, field again. No, you can't just put him in lineup because his timing's probably. But I don't know what so, you do. But I, I don't know what you do there contract-wise. I just, I can't. Oh, I would. He and Sano, I, I'm going to have to wait again because both of them, I need to see Sano show up in really good shape in March. Yeah. The, the other problem with Miguel, too, and I know that there's a lot of Miguel apologists, and when, when he does connect with the ball, it goes a long ways. You now realize that you've got to find a home for him. He can't play third base. No. Yeah. yeah. He can't. But until Nelson Cruz is done playing, he's not your DH. And right, I don't think he's your first baseman. I, you know what I would do? I'd be tempted to say, here's the plan for the winter. You get... Right field? You get... Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> no. I'd be tempted to say, I'll give you three weeks off, and then I want you in Fort Myers, and we're going to work on first base. And then... What do you do with Crone? Then I mean, is he was he is Crone up after this year? Uh, no, he's no, he's not. But I don't know what you do there. But Chipper, he can't. If you're gonna, I mean, I don't want to take Crone out. I am. You know what, Crone? <laughs> I saw this. You're gonna laugh. Crone's not as impressive as we thought he had been. He got uh, defensively or he got off to a both, and and since he's had the wrist problems, it's gone down. I thought now now he can really scoop a ball. Yeah, but I was reading something from. Someone who takes a deep dive on the anal- analytical side a couple days ago, Crone defensively is not as good as we thought. I but he's be- he's way better than yeah. Miguel. What I'm sure. what I'm saying is if if I want to contend, I don't want Miguel playing third base. Yeah, it's just it it's not. If he gets the ball, he can throw it, but he's not getting the balls. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you do because I like. Crone obviously is struggling with that wrist, and how much does that affect in his hitting? And know? I do like him too. So I like him in the lineup. But, you, but do you? I really think you like, make it. So then Marwin's your third baseman. 
Game one of the playoffs. But uh, next year? This year, he's my third baseman. Um, or a rise? I if, like a rise at second. I do, too. But you need a third baseman. I'd rather have – I would rather have – Arise at second and not have Scope in there and have Miguel at third so you can have Crone in the lineup. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that's your better lineup. I just don't think a professional I don't think a professional baseball executive can look at Sano on a contending team and say he's okay at third base. Does he make up for enough offensively for what he gives defensively in your mind? I don't think he does, no. No, and he's got it. And with all the shifts, the shifts yeah. also require you to get back to baseballs. He's incapable. Yeah, I've never seen a guy in my life spend as much time on his belly as he does. <laughs> but but it's not. But it's not. You know, if it's Brooks Robinson, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> but seriously, have you ever seen a guy yeah. down on his knees and belly as much as he is? You know, it's maybe it's one of those things that they work with. You know. More at spring training, or bring him in early. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do there. But moving him to first, I feel like you take Crone out of the lineup, and you, well, you could. I mean, to your point, you could try and just make make do. I, I don't like this, but another a 2020 at third base, and then Cruz is gone, and, and he DHs after that. Yeah, that's a possibility too. But you know what? To me, this starts with. What type of shape is he in in March? Because if he shows up so, a- after a a winter of eating and not yeah. uh, keeping himself in shape, then the questions start to answer themselves for me. Did they? So they didn't approach him last offseason about contract, did Miguel? they? Miguel? Yeah. I don't think so. Buxton, they do. He sure said did. that they did approach Buxton's people and they lowballed them so badly that they just said, Go and, they, away. and Barrios turned him down. Yes. I don't know if it's Rosario low-ball. turned him down, right? There was a spring training. Kepler's the only one that signed, right? Kepler oh, and Polanco. And Polanco. They signed, but I believe the reports got, that got out were Rosario was approached, Barrios was Barrios approached. Barrios for sure. And Doogie said that they did approach Buxton. But the Buxton thing sounds like it was a non starter from day one, so they approached him, but it doesn't. I don't know how you, you put a value on. Well, I know how you put a value on Buxton when he's healthy, but you have to factor in the other side. I so I think they have the leverage on that one. Like, they could go to his side and say, we would love to pay you, but if you can't stay healthy, we can't commit this kind of money. But then they could just say, well, we'll continue to take our chances, too. Yeah. It's a weird one. That one's weird. That That's weird. Rios is going to be weird, too. I mean, he's going to get... Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he... If he doesn't bounce back. How he views himself versus, like, other pitchers, you know, in his category and what he... And relative to... Let's be honest. It's not like they got guys in the minors, right, knocking down the doors to come up and... If Barrios bounces back, it becomes a lot more clear what the path for that contract sure. is. If he doesn't bounce back in 2019, it's got to be uh, just going from how he's done in August and after for his first few years. It becomes a very big concern. Yes. So I mean, Gratterall, is he? I love this. After stuff. this season, does he go back to being a starter. I think so. Yeah. 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 I think that's just a. I, just, I think he's just an arm that they're going to bring up. They don't. They don't want him to throw too many pitches, which yeah, is sure, fine. Sure. But yeah, I think he's back as a make know, the starter. rotation next year. We'll have to see on that one. These guys are conservative. They're more conservative than fans would probably be, and yeah, and certainly than we than would. we would like <laughs> at times in the uh, media as well. Yeah. Um, Brad Hand, but by the way, to go to the, back to the top of the podcast, just look this up. Last four appearances, 
17.18 ERA. He's, he's given up seven earned runs in three and two-thirds, 11 hits. And You uh, think they make a switch there? At some point, you're going to have to, right? I think have to do something. I mean, there. you can't keep giving games away. If nothing else, short Did I read it? Did he forget to cover first base on a double play last night? It, you know, I saw the highlight. Um, it was, uh, I think it was a 3-6, and then we're going to return, you know, back to 3 or 1. Uh, he, it looks like he didn't cover first base and Santana couldn't get back. The only thing that wasn't was clear. Was the first baseman way off the, or he thought he was the first baseman. That's what I was going to say. What's not, that's not what's clear. What's not clear is did Hand try and did he think that Santana was going to get back or did he just not cover? And I couldn't tell for sure. And that would, it end, wasn't good. That would have ended the game. Right. Um, might've been two outs at two that point. Outs. But anyway, wow, it was a bad look. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. the point is, yeah, he's struggling. Hand is struggling to throw strikes now. He's a disaster there, and he was the one thing you know. Cleveland's rotation and bullpen looked so good, and mm-hmm. I think, and I think the rotation is good. But that was really bad. Yep. Uh, this is the I, I for, did not send this to you in our prep notes last night because I forgot until I just it came to me this morning. Ten year anniversary. Yes, on Sunday, Chip Scoggins of Brett Favre's arrival. Uh, Mike Arand did a great oral history of that. If you didn't check that out or catch that, uh, go to the Star Tribune from Sunday and find it because it's great stuff. You know what's funny about that whole thing? Ten years after the fact, the one thing that the first thing that always comes to my mind, the guy in the chicken suit yeah, the, the, at Winter Park. The parrot or whatever. The yeah. Parrot. Yeah, because it For was a restaurant, right? Yeah, it was a, it was uh promoting a restaurant. Well, like of all I, the things that But happened. that's that, that that was like the absurdity of the whole day. Like Symbolize the absurd. Brett Favre, children's picking him up. Brett Favre's going to play for the Vikings. I mean, how absurd is that? You know, even though we knew it was a possibility. Yes. But I go back to think about that summer, Judd, where you knew sort of what was happening, but the way he kept waffling back and forth. And I always think about, uh, and I mentioned it in, in that piece, is that remember we would do daily access Vikings the Favre updates and so our our video department did a compilation of our all our access vikings appearances and it's like and it would be you every time you 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 would start it off you you know it's july 2nd Favre was throwing to the high school kids and it's july 5th Favre uh, is having problems with his shoulder doesn't look like he's gonna play it's july 10th he sits down with Edward. I mean, it was back and forth. He's not playing. He is playing. He's not playing. He is playing. And then, so the the second to the last clip was, we're here in Mankato yesterday. Brett Favre talked, uh, called Brad Childress and told him that he just his arm's not ready to play. And then it cuts to helicopters for us. Like we're here at Winter Park. This is the craziest thing here. <laughs> Brett Favre. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was. I mean, that was like in my career one of the craziest days of just. And the you know being out there and then the fans on the street. I mean, there must have been two hundred people out there. Mm-hmm. And you know the Vikings said the police. And there was and, no room. No, and and the Vikings said their security. There people, was stay what? off the grass. At you that know. time, there was a fence there across two, the street, two lane or two lane road, two lane road, and and like a little what what would would you call that grass medium or berm or a medium? And it yeah. wasn't even that nice. Yeah, yeah. And, or just a, no a shoulder. And like, like you said, shoulder. there's two hundred whatever people standing out there. There's no room. But then, They've but then you see direct sh- traffic because, like you said, it's a two lane highway. But then you see Childress's Escalade coming down, and those fans just stormed it like the Beatles were coming. Yes. I mean, they're like banging on the door, and and Favre's in there just like it waving. It was the Channel Five <laughs> helicopter. That was the best part. It was the Channel Five, uh, and and that story goes back to 
when Brad went to Hol- Holman Field in St. Paul to pick Brad up. Yeah. And the legend is he parks on the tarmac and reclines yeah, his seat <laughs> so people won't see him. So he's he's in it, basically lying down in his car, thinking people won't see me. They won't know. I mean, the whole thing. Oh, to have a picture of children's laying back, like trying to be. Oh, the whole thing was, you're right. It was so absurd, but it was just, it was actually just so funny because you never knew. And, yeah. and in, in the end, I guess we certainly couldn't have been surprised because it no, was yeah. Favre. Yeah. But that was one of the craziest days. And it was actually, you know what, for as exhausting as that day was, it was fun. Oh, it was awesome. Because it, yeah. it was fun and it was so surreal. And I, I saw your uh, point to Rand, and it's exactly right. It wasn't a purple jersey, but when he came out of that locker room yeah. wearing the red, don't touch me, number four, yeah. Brett, Fa- you know, waddling down the thing. I don't care who you were. You were like, oh, my God, he's yeah. going to play for the Vikings. And then he just starts, you know. Didn't have a practice, and he's like picks it up like this, right? Well, he knew the language. Just put him in here. Here's our starting quarterback, right? He just yeah. starts running. It's like, oh my, this is unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's a day you don't forget, right? In your career, there's a lot of days you forget. That's one you never forget. It made the Moss uh, coming back in 2010 seem like nothing. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. But I mean, you know, Moss coming back should have been, oh my gosh. But it a year after Favre, it was like, oh okay, yeah. There's Randy Moss. Yeah. No, nothing. I mean. It, just the enormity of that, like fan reaction, and I'm sure Twitter's Twitter wasn't what it right then what it is now. Imagine if it happened now with what oh it would it be. would have been, but it was it would be odd. yeah it was. Uh, I'm glad Brand did the retrospective on it in the oral history because it was you know it's cool to kind of hear Childress's thoughts on that reliving it and Sage talked about it. You know. I'm, he probably didn't want to relive it. But, yeah, but yeah. Poor Sage tomorrow. thought he was going to compete for the. Well, he did. He in, did in, for a while. So how how much of that whole Favre thing too? Now, in, in retrospect, Chip Scoggins, do you think came down to the fact that he was never going to training camp? I'm sure With the, the arm, timing. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, he was not going to Mankato. I'm sure the arm gave him some probably pause for uh, let's say ten percent or maybe fifteen percent. But he was never going to set foot in southern Minnesota. There was no way, no, no how. And my get and and Brad to this day won't broach this if it's true. But my guess is the Vikings knew exactly. Think they had an arrangement. What? Yes. Because Chip, I, in two thousand three, I I don't four, know if it was. I don't know if it was spelled out, explained that way. Like, hey, let's let's pretend that you're. But I, I bet in the back of their mind they were thinking. The door's not closed. When 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 yes. remember, remember, Childress called you that day and yep. said, "Hey, He's I just not. got the phone with Brett. He's not playing." Yeah, I bet you a hundred bucks the organization didn't close the door then. Oh no, no, but I wouldn't be surprised now if that all played out because I don't think that they. I think if they had said, "Well, he might play still, but he ain't going to training camp," people would have torched him and been like, sure. "You can't yeah. do that. He doesn't know. He doesn't know your scheme," which is yeah. BS. But. Uh, but I, I just go back to when, when I covered the Packers in 2003 and four, and I want to say it was the – so I covered them very closely 03 into 04, and Mike Sherman in 04 had an arrangement where Brett didn't have to show up for mini camps, anything really. Really. So the point being is I think – and the other, the, other thing, the other thing that the Vikings aren't going to discuss now but still is the thing that we covered as well that people don't recall now was the clear tampering that yeah. went on before he went to the Jets. Well, didn't they get they got slapped on the wrist for that, right? They got or did they say they nothing? got investigated and exonerated 
Okay, that's by right. the that's grace right. of God. I don't know how yeah. they did, but my Bevel, right? Yeah, well, it Bevel was Bevel. Was the... Bevel was his buddy. Was Brett's buddy. Brad knew knew him not super well, but from his days with the Badgers. And so through a roundabout, but there is no way that there yeah. weren't active conversations because Brett, you know, so Brett in what would it have been seven March of oh seven retired. The first time? Yeah, for the Packers. Yeah, because then he played eight. Right. And then that story was the Packers said, are you really done? And he said, yes, I've, I've, I'm exhausted. I can't do it. But everybody in bleep in January is exhausted. Yeah. Who plays football? Uh, so Brett said, I'm done. And then they supposedly circled back with him again and said, you're done. And he said, yes, I'm done. And then in that spring, that spring is when he called and said, I'm thinking about playing again. Yeah. And supposedly um, Ted Thompson – and uh, Mike McCarthy, we're like, we, we, you can't, dude. We've moved on. Yeah, Rogers is our quarterback. We've told him we can't, we can't, we can't. And he got mad about it. And that's when I think he started. That's when I think he said, "I'm well, gonna, I'm gonna go and shove it up your, you know what?" Sure. And it, it, that's the year, wasn't it, where him and his wife got on the plane and came up there and basically forced them. Yes. And then they had this the second that, press. That was conference. in that training camp. That's yeah. when, and that's when the Vikings were. That's when stuff was going on that was coming out publicly, and you knew that he was definitely linked yeah. to the Vikings. And that's when the Packers then finally traded his rights to the Jets and put in the clause he can't be traded back to an NFC North team, yeah. which is why he then manipulated the system brilliantly with the Jets. They drafted Mark Sanchez. Favre announced his retirement again, like I think in a press release. Yeah. Never, never filed the papers, which is necessary, <laughs> and then came here. Yeah. Well, he, I, I don't. I, I just. I will go to my grave believing that from the moment the Packers said it's past the point, we they can't drew a line back, of sand. That he said, "All right," and he took that personally. Yeah, and was intent on coming here because he wanted to go to the NFC North team that gave him the best chance sure. to run his offense and shove it up the Packers. And in seven, was it Gus? Was it Gus and Tavares? And in eight, was when Sage came, right? Or does, no, no, Sage came in. Oh, eight is Gus. Oh, eight is so Gus seven and, and eight Tavares. were Gus. And Tavares. Was Gus here in 2007? It was definitely – it was Gus because the 2008 team was a playoff team. Because Gus and, got him there. Remember, played, he went back yeah, and forth. Yes. And, well, and that's when he wouldn't give – that's when he wouldn't give the job back to Gus. After – And Tavares he, had that great game. The Cardinals had clinched their first uh, yeah, division yeah, – yeah. what was that? Since, like, 1974. Yes. And supposedly spent the entire week – Enjoying themselves. Yes. And then Tavares lit them up, and Brad's like, I'm being proven right here. And <laughs> all of us right. are like, no, go back to Gus. Yes, that's right. I remember that. But there's no way that they weren't then, involved with Favre going back farther than, than what they're talking about. So then they Gus did. was gone. Sage comes in in nine thinking he's going to compete for it. And, and then, Sage, if you recall, Sage was Rick's guy. Yes. Rick really liked Sage. From Miami. Brad and Sage never clicked. But then that training camp was the one where obviously things didn't go as well as they hoped. Yeah. And they said we got to do something. We got yeah, and we, but but I agree that they even when 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 Favre called Childress, it was the day before we went down to Mankato. I, I remember it clear as day. We were sitting in that meeting room, and Childress calls you and says, "Hey, Favre called. Um, he just can't do it. His arm. Yes. We're, we're moving on with Sage and, and Tavares." And we get down there. I I I don't I don't know if there's anything like orchestrated between the two sides. I I don't think it was like okay, Brett. Pretend you're, you know, you're retiring. You're going to stay, and then two weeks come. I don't think it was like that. I think it was. Brett said this. Let's give it a couple of weeks. We get away from Mankato and get back up here and see where we're at. And, and that then, leads, and let's call him again. And 
and your point leads to to the famous last Mankato practice well, of that year, yeah. where footballs were skipping off the ground. And remember, and we, you and I were like, "Holy buckets!" It was bad. And remember, Childress was talking that day, and we he was having his press conference that day, and that, that practice was bad. And we remember, I remember thinking, "All right, he's going to erupt like a volcano here," and he couldn't have been more yeah. Uh, chipper, good mood, and we're like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, Tavares would like, skip the ball off the dirt. And then, then I, I just remember them, the footballs were like dead birds flying into the ground. Because remember, I think they were leaving and going playing a game, and they were done. They weren't going back. And then it was yes. like two days after they got back, or one day, whatever it was. And then you look back, and you're like, that's why Brad wasn't so worried or panicked. Because remember, that was a team that you thought they were quarterback away from, you know, being a Super Bowl That's team. all they needed. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, 2007 to answer your question. Tavares Jackson started 12 games. Kelly Holcomb started three games. Brooks Bollinger played in five and started the one at Green Bay in which they got, like, shut out 44 Jeez, nothing or something. So, and then 2008, they brought in uh, it, Gus Farad. Yeah, it was Gus and Tavares. And Gus, you know, was, he had yeah. a nice season. Yeah. Yeah, they got to playoffs, right? And yeah, and he broke the uh, what his transverse process, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite breaks <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> and Tavares went back in, and Tavares Tavares lit up the Cardinals in I think what was the first game after the whole Star Caps debacle. And uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, and then and then the last game. So the last game of that year in the regular season was the Giants game at the Metrodome. And I remember Tavares against that Giants defense looked completely lost. Mm-hmm. And the late Jim Johnson, who was the great DC in Philadelphia was basically the disciple of that defense. And so we spent the whole week being like, you're going to go back to yeah. for the playoff game. And he didn't. And they, they lost badly, but that whole Favre thing, man, yeah. that was how <laughs> in, in retrospect now, how, because that was the reason why this Twins season is starting to frustrate me is because they're special years. Yeah, like opportunities present themselves and then they're gone and they never come back. Um, how important do you think it was in, in the uh, big picture of things back then too that Brett had those first two games with, that they won? I think they won at Cleveland, Cleveland and Detroit. first. Yeah, and he managed the game like yeah. he was not expected. Adrian, Adrian took over. Adrian took over. Uh, and I remember going into that San Francisco game. We got a game manager. We got yeah. And I, <laughs> his I arms, wrote, like, his arm can't hold up. I wrote that. And yeah. I remember, I remember asking him about you know, hey, you're yeah. you're just here to run the ship. Yeah. And the magical thing was any time, like I didn't yeah. think about this at the time, but Brett's like bleep you. Yeah. So I did. Well, and then I think like the first two games, you're like okay. This is going to be a different Brett Favre. This is not going to be the gunslinger. This is going to be the wise old veteran quarterback who just no kind of or, who, yeah, no who just kind of or, no yeah, forcing the ball. Yeah, who just going to? But then he uncorks that one to Greg Lewis, and then I remember standing down there and was like, "Okay, this is this is what what they signed up for." Yes. Then you're thinking, "Okay, this this team could do anything. This team could win the Super Bowl. If they're that good with if Favre can do that." And then. But I go back to even think. Remember, we're there in Carolina, and and he was taking a beating because Peppers kept running around McKinney, and oh yeah, and he lets it out that uh, Childers wanted to take oh, him out, and Childers. That's actually yeah. that was like the th- game thirteen. Hold on, I, I've got was the there schedule. two games after that? Uh, I've got the schedule right in front of me. It was uh, week fifteen of that season at Carolina. They lost twenty six to seven, 
And remember, Peppers was just drilling it. That, that was the first time that we saw night game. that there were issues between sure. Far, Favre and Childress. I think until then, if they didn't see eye to eye on things, it had been masked pretty well. well when did Schism? Was Schism next year? Uh, schism was the was, uh, no 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 schism I schism I think was it might have been but that was but that was so made up uh, yeah but it was was it that year well it was far related so it, it might have been I think it was that year yeah I think it was yeah I think it was, early though is real it early. was early that year and and then because it was in at the combine in 2010 when when Ziggy saw Schefter and said kiss my schism <laughs> that was in the combine too, so yeah you're right. 2009. But that, but that was the first time where, yeah, you know, he just kept talking. He's like, "Yeah, and Chili wanted to take me out, wanted to bench, not bench me, but take me out." Brad and, was going to take me out. Yeah, and we're like, "Whoa!" Because we asked Brad about it, and Brad gave a you know yeah. soft pedaled the answer, and then Brett's the one where I said it look because they had a clear view on the NBC telecast of him pull of Brett pulling away from Brad. Yeah, and I think, that's what it was. And yeah. I think my question to Brett was, it looked like something was going on, and you know, I expected nothing yeah. really. And he said, "Yeah, he won't take me out." That's the only. And time. Cir- people circle back to Childers who was in the shower. Or whatever. Tom Powers went and found him. <laughs> well, we we right were all the on shower. deadline. Yeah. we're we're all on deadline, and and so so I'm like, that's the only time that I actually cut Brett off because yeah. he wouldn't stop, and or ordinarily he would just keep going and keep going. But yeah. we were on deadline. Yeah, it was up against it. And Brett's like, he was going to take me out. And I'm like, what? And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. And then he went into it. And I finally cut him off. And I, I, I got to go. Yeah. Powers, who had filed for the early run in St. Paul, and so so was on deadline, but like a secondary deadline. Yeah. So he was fine. He um he found Brad and like chased him. And like it, he, Brad stepped out of the shower in a towel. And <laughs> Powers is like, <laughs> Powers is like, you know, what? Brett just said you were going to take him out. And like Brad flipped, yeah, and they had to get Powers out. I, the story I've heard is they had to get him out of the locker room, and Brad's like going crazy, like, "Why do you tell him that? Yeah. Why do you tell him that? Why did you get to blah blah blah?" But I do believe in Brad's defense on that one. I do believe that he was afraid that Bryant McKinney was sure. going to get him killed. Well, and they were losing the game, and and the game it was, was over. It, it was twenty six to seven, but yeah. it felt like if you asked me that score, yeah. I'd say forty one to seven. That's what it felt like. Yeah, and the way the Peppers was just. They couldn't block him. I mean, oh, they McKin- literally could not block wrong, him. But, but no. that's Bryant McKinney, for all his faults, was a pretty talented left sure. tackle. Yeah, he. I don't know what was wrong, but Brett was going to get killed. Yeah. So it was the. It was in hindsight, it was the right, yes. right decision to get him out of there and protect him for you know playoffs. Yes. Oh my god! Think of all the memories of that year. Jeez. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going through the schedule. So so. Brett is basically the game manager week one and two. Okay, yep. that's fine. The week three game, Greg, Greg Lewis, Lewis yeah. which is, by the way, one of the best passes I've ever seen. J- just as far as not... It felt like you could do it a thousand times and not fit it right there with the, that circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it was... and I still don't know to this day how Greg Lewis, of all people, <laughs> caught that ball because he had to elevate... He could get his foot down. He had to elevate himself, Yeah, go up, get that... And by the way, that was a missile? Yes. That was not a... There was, was not a no, floater. That was a, there was no what I would call touch on that pass. It was a you're going to catch this bullet, yeah, or or you're not. If it was baseball, we get exit velocity off that one. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly. What but then week four is the Packers game, the Monday night the, the game, boot, oh God. which I believe then was followed the next day by game one sixty three Tigers and Twins in the yes. Metrodome. Like this is one of the most magical, yeah. magical times. Well, in an, in a, a brief area of sports in the stuff. And I remember going back there to, to Green Bay 
and the whole, you know, how loud is he going to get booed and what's it going to sound like. And I remember being at Prescott, uh, press box and, you know, they have the glass, so you don't get the full brunt of it until you, know, you go outside and you can hear the fans leaving. But so the team comes out and you hear the boos and you're like, yeah, you know, that wasn't that bad. And then it just like a jet engine takes off. Like when you said that, like to the Rand. 747. And it's like, yep. It's like, holy cow. And, and I think that, I, I honestly think that rattled far. I mean, he played great, but talking to him after the game, I don't think he expected to be like. I thought. He, I, I thought. He, I think in his mind it's going to be fifty-fifty. Have you ever heard louder boos in your life? No, no, never. I mean, it was like honest to God, it was deafening. And because the the team came out, and then the you could tell the fans were they were booing him just because the Vikings, and then they spotted Favre, and it was loud. So the press box in Lambeau Field is, for lack of a better term, hermetically sealed. Sure, like there's no there's no air that comes in there. Yet. Um. And ordinarily, when you hear booing, it's almost like more of a shrieking. Yeah. Like it's sort of a higher. I, yeah. I want to say it's a higher pitch to what you're saying about it sounding like a jet engine. This is the only time I remember hearing booing that was it was so loud and so deafening and so prolonged yeah. that it was at a lower level. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. and I've never in my life, when he ran through that that little tunnel which the visitors come out in, in Lambeau Field Chip, I've never in my life felt that booing made a stadium shake. Yes. And I felt that press box was not like the jump around yeah, badger not, shaking, yeah, yeah. but it was it was, it felt like being at 5 o'clock in rush hour on a bridge and you're stopped in traffic, uh, yeah. and you can feel that give in the bridge. Yeah. That's how it felt. It, did, it, it made you go, whoa, like you hadn't seen that before. But then look at how he played. I mean, his stat line that night was... Talk about a guy who can focus and, but but you saw probably the the quintessential farm in that situation when his dad died. Oh, that Oakland. was one of the most I mean, incredible things. I mean, you're and, there alive. Well, and guys loved him so much, and that that's the thing about him: the intangibles that he had. The game after his dad died in in Oakland on Monday night around Christmas of 2003. That was guys were making catches, and actually in in the Vikings game at Green Bay, so yeah. not the same thing, but I could feel it. People were making plays they weren't capable of making. Yeah, they're yeah, it they, was off the charts. Yeah, but it, in talking to him after the game, I, I I just got the sense that he didn't think it was going to be that loud. That he was probably hoping for some cheers in there too, but it was not. Well, he was yeah. I mean, there was they hated him at that moment. Yes, I, I mean that is is clo- if you ever have a question of love and hate being close, yeah, that answered the question <laughs> yes. of um, last thing. So part of the reason why to this day I feel like people should retire early if they can just get out. Brett Favre coming back in 2010 is one of the most monumental, and I don't, and I know yeah. he didn't want to, and I'm not even assessing blame here. Yeah. But part of the reason why when guys walk a little bit early, I'm always like, good for you. Yeah. Is after see after seeing someone go through that, and, and that's also, and that's also 2009 in, into 10 really defined my view of. Never assume you can do it again. Yeah, because, um, well, on him, and I understand why he did it because I mean, he finished second MVP bonus. Statistically, it's it one of his best years. Off the charts. And so if, you, if you're a competitor, anybody, and you do that, you're like, well, man, I got a ton left. Why would I walk away from this when I, I was almost MVP of the league and, and probably could have been a lot of years? I'm leaving too much on the table. And so that was hitting the cliff, like, Literally driving to the edge and hitting Cliff. But, yeah, that season just 
and Childress used to say it, and you, you kind of roll your eyes, but I, I agree. It's like every season's independent of his own. Yep. And you cannot duplicate circumstances. And Brad, That team came back intact. I don't know. Did they change one starter from 9 to 10? No, I don't think they did. If they did, it was one guy. Well, yeah. But, that, but you know what? Brad, for, for the first time in his – in Mike Ranspiece had the great line. In 2010, he was trying to save his marriage. In, <laughs> 2000, right. in 2009, which is 1,000% correct. Yeah. Now, at that time, with the whole Jan Sturger thing, they didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, too, with Brett is – and this is what makes it so tough when it comes to what motivates human beings. A Super Bowl would have been nice – but ultimately, he just wanted to beat the Packers twice. Yes. And he did. And he showed them. And so yeah. so his own motivation for coming back in 2010 was, or for being talked in, into it, was misguided because he really got what, what he, he got wanted. A, I think he wanted to beat the Packers, but more than that, I think he wanted to show them, hey, I'm still a great quarterback. Sure. Well, he wanted and to show— You're turning the page yeah, on me to go to Aaron right. Rodgers, and yep. not only am I going to beat you, I'm going to show you how great I am. And he did that, and— I'm guessing, well, when when you have to be begged to play, your heart's not in it. Especially football. Yeah. Like, that's way too harsh a sport. Yep. All right. Great stuff, Chip right, Scoggins. Uh, we, we will talk next week. Actually, let's talk a lot about gopher football. Yeah. And college football. Your sport. Hey, the kickoff next Thursday. Vols start when? Saturday. That's all the support. Yeah. All right. Conduits of Trouble. Talk to you then.